Amen. Well, it is a joy to be here this morning. God is good? And all the time? Amen. It never gets old to say that and to, to speak that and to proclaim it together. You just saw a video of Kids Blitz, which will be taking place this Friday evening. And uh, as Brother Randy told me, you can invite the whole world. Everyone can come and be a part Friday night for Kids Blitz. Now, the reason we're doing Kids Blitz this Friday night is that tomorrow starts what many people know as Vacation Bible School. We call it Adventure Week here. So starting tomorrow evening, Monday through Thursday, we'll have Adventure Week each evening, each night. And then also on Friday will be kind of that that culmination of all of it with Kids Blitz, just an exciting time. And the gospel will be shared every night, but especially on that last night. You may say, but David, what if uh, people can't come to Adventure Week and they still come to Kids Blitz? Absolutely. You may say, well, What if they can come to Adventure Week but not Kids Blitz? Absolutely. So there are invite cards in the back. It starts tomorrow. Please take those cards and give those to neighbors, friends, uh, sport player. uh, When I say sport player, like my son, uh, teammates and different things. Let them know about Adventure Week this week and Kids Blitz on Friday night. We do have one other announcement Uh, Our senior adult luncheon is coming up on July 21st at Cravers. You can sign up at the events table. Um, And then I'll just go on and share as well. I know that many people have asked uh, this morning about Israel. You can sign up uh, for information uh, at the back if you are interested. For those who have come to our interest meetings in the next day or two, we'll be able to kind of lock in some some flight prices, and then we'll be able to give you a finalized price for you to make a decision on whether you're going to go and be a part of our trip to Israel. Now, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer, but before we do, let me just share with you, Brother Aaron is out of town uh, today, uh, down in Florida with his family, and then, or with Heidi's family, and uh, we had uh, different people that were going to lead, and COVID hit. Um, but we are excited that Adam Jack is here today and his bride. Did I say that right, Adam Jack? All right. Adam was here, if you remember, when we had Disciple Now, they led. Um, and so they're going to be leading for us today. And we need to be praying for Aaron as he is with his family down in Florida and with Heidi's family. Heidi's dad has been at the church that he's at for over 20 years. And so they're celebrating that and they're down there together with them. And so I'm just so thankful for that. And then I'll just share one other thing. I told y'all last week my goal was to do two to three Beatitudes today. I think we're going to get one done. So uh, be praying for that as we continue forward uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as Adam and his wife comes. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We give you all glory, honor, and praise. Father, what a joy to be able to come into this place together and worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, we do not take this for granted. We thank you for the freedom that we have here in America to come together. But Father, we thank you more for the freedom that we have from the enemy that the blood of Jesus has set us free. And so Father, today as we worship May we hear what you are speaking. And Father, may we place it into our lives. May we walk in obedience of your truth. And Lord, we want nothing more than your name to be glorified today. In our worship, in the preaching and proclaiming of your word, and in the response as we leave this place. 
may your name be glorified. It's in the precious and holy name, the name above all names, the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. We're so thankful to be back with you guys this morning. We're excited to be here. But we are even more excited to worship the Lord. Amen. If you would just stand with us this morning, we want to begin worshiping the Lord and just thank Him for who He is. And if you would just sing with your hearts, if you want to clap your hands, you're more than welcome to worship and how the Lord leads you this morning. Who brings the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Yeah. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless and all in wonder? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Come on, church. Sing it together. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You would lay down your life. That I would be saved. I sing for all that you've done for me. Who brings our chaos to order? Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King of glory. Who rules the nations with truth and justice, shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I see for all that you've done for me. How many this morning think he's worthy of our worship? Amen. I said, how many of us here think he's worthy of our worship, amen? Let's sing it together. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Come on. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Sound beautiful, church. Worthy is the king who conquered the grave. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Come on. Worthy is the king who conquered the grave. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Oh, this 
Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Can somebody lift up a hand clap of praise this morning? He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our praise. We're so thankful that you're here to sing with us and worship him. Oh, let me tell you, you sound so beautiful this morning. It reminds me of a small glimpse of what heaven might sound like. Amen. When we sing together, I can only imagine that one day we'll be there just singing the praises and honor of Jesus Christ. Just hearing your voices, it just reminds me of uh, what might be to come for us. And I just, I can't wait to experience that one day with all of you. Amen. Let's continue to worship. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now. 
of the blood that he shed for us, amen. this morning. Amen. It reminds me of um, when Aaron told me that uh, Pastor David was going to be preaching on the Beatitudes this morning. Um, it really sent me back to, uh, I told Randy this this morning, I was in Randy's youth group when I was you know, knee high to a short goat. And, uh, and a, lot, a lot this way too. Um, but I still remember him teaching through the Beatitudes. And um, I told him I didn't remember anything else about youth ministry other than I was a terrible teenager. Um, but I remember the power of the Beatitudes in Matthew and just how much it stayed with me. And l- later on in life, it, um, it stuck with me um, and how it really helped me grow to who I am just a, a base in those beatitudes of scripture and one of the things I love about it is it says that you know blessed is the first word in every one of the beatitudes and, uh, and I remember Randy saying that blessed sometimes we don't know what that means it's more like we're fulfilled and being fulfilled and this next song is going to talk about the blood of Jesus and How many of you know that we can't be fulfilled this morning without the blood of Jesus? There's nothing in this world that can fulfill us. And that the blood of Jesus Christ is the only thing 
that will cover our sins so that we can live for him and, and be righteous in front of a holy God. And as we sing that this morning, if you would just be seated for a moment. And I just want to ask you if you would, if you know the song, feel free to sing it with us. The words will be on the screen. But I want to do something different this morning than uh, what you, I'm not real sure what you're accustomed to. But, um, but for, for us, I, I would just like to take this song and let you just listen to the words and prepare your heart for the scripture that's coming here in a moment. Prepare the ground for the seed to be sown so that when we leave here today, that it won't be on rocky soil or in the thorns or in the weeds. That'll be in good soil and that it will grow and flourish in our life. Just worship with us this morning as we get ready to worship by the word. There is a blood that cost a life. Death its price when it flows down from the cross. My sins are gone, my sins forgot. There is a grave, it tried to hide. This precious blood that gave me life, but in three days he breathed again and rose to stand in my There is a blood, it sights the blind, oh it heals the sin, and the lowly find, it has the power to free the bound, as the chains they fall, fall upon the To cleanse my soul and let its liquid glory flow. Oh, because it lives, oh, to make me whole. I owe my life and I owe my own. Yeah. 
so much this morning for your son Jesus the price that he paid for us all and that we have the freedom to stand here this morning to sing your praises that you so deserve there's no one else worthy We love you. We ask that you get all the glory this morning. In your name we pray. Take away the dark of night Fill me with your pure delight Touch me with your hand God of grace Flow into this holy place Listen as your children pray Take me as I am Healer of my heart Lover of my soul Maker of the stars, the earth, the sky Come and make me whole Savior of this world My voice Praise you alone, healer of my heart, lover of my soul. He loves you, Emmanuel, 
to the deepest well Where never-ending love prevails Drinking from your cup Prince of Peace Forever live inside of me Keeper of eternity, O Lord Revive me with your touch Healer of my heart Lover of my soul Maker of the stars, the earth, the sky Come and make me voice praises you alone, healer of my heart, lover of my soul, oh yes. Healer of Come and make me whole Savior of this world My voice praises you, you alone Healer of my heart Lover of my I had turned it off, so I turned it back on, but really I turned it off. Well, thank y'all for being here today. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, open up to Matthew chapter 5 as we continue in the Sermon on the Mount. What a wonderful time of just just listening and and, and worship and singing. I, I was sitting on the front row and I could just hear everybody singing, especially when we were in Amazing Grace and Oh, the Blood and it was powerful, man. I was getting like what I call Holy Ghost goosebumps, and uh, it, it was awesome. Thank you so much. What a, what a joy this morning. Um, Brother Adam, I'm going to be praying for you now that I know that you were with Brother Randy for so long. Um, but I do want to start with a time of prayer. Uh, as many as you obviously noticed today, Brother Aaron's not here, and Jimmy uh, Tucker um, was going to lead and has COVID, and actually there are several people who have COVID right now, um, none that are in the hospital that I know of with COVID, but several that are dealing with COVID-19, and so I want to be praying for all those in our city um, who are 
fighting uh, this virus. And I also want to just pray for our nation as we saw another uh, just senseless attack this past week. Uh, It just breaks my heart to watch what's taking place. But you know the scripture says that if you thought that what's happening right now is bad, it says it's going to get worse. It's what it tells us. That it's only the birthing pains until the Lord returns. And also a uh, sister in Christ has asked us to pray for... uh, Wade, who is walking through addiction, and so I told her that we would be praying for him and asking God to, to heal and release from this addiction. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we praise your holy name. Lord, what an honor and a privilege that we can come here together today that we can confidently come before your throne. Not because of anything that we have done, but because of your son, Jesus. Whose blood has torn the veil from top to bottom, giving us access before your throne this morning. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, Father, our hearts are, are heavy with what's taking place in our nation, Lord. And we know the only answer. It's you. And so, Father, we're desperately dependent upon you. We lay on our face before you in all humility, just asking, Father, that you would heal our nation. And, Father, as Brother Oliver preached this past week on Wednesday night, Lord, that we know that that's going to start when there's revival in your house, the church house. So, Father, start with me. Start with us. May we not point fingers at others. May we say, Father, revive us, O God. And Father, we pray for those who are dealing with COVID-19 and other sicknesses. Lord, we pray for healing. Father, I pray specifically for Jimmy, Lord, as I know that he's fighting this virus, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord, also for, for Wade. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that you would remove the shackles in the name of Jesus. As the song that was just sung, may the shackles fall. Father, I pray, Lord, that today would be the day of salvation in his life. And Father, we know that nothing is impossible with you. And so, Father, we stand on the rock, on your foundation, as we cry out to you for Wade. Now, Father, I also want to pray that this morning as I proclaim the words, Father, that it would not be my words, but your words, for your words will not return void, but mine will. Father, put me on the front row and allow your breath to go forth and let it transform our hearts. May it speak directly to our hearts. And Father, may we walk in obedience through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we love you. We praise you and we give you all glory. For it's in your name. The name above all names, the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, church... I got a little overzealous thinking that I could do three Beatitudes in one Sunday. 
And you may say, but David, it's only just a few words. I, I, I know, but it's God's words, and they're powerful. And as I was putting together kind of the final touches on my, just what the Lord was putting on my heart, and though I've prepared for multiple Beatitudes this morning, I just said, Lord, I, I just don't believe that I can go any further than just one today. And so let me share with you this verse. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, it says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Last week, we began our journey on the Sermon on the Mount. We began with the Beatitude. I started with a little bit of an over, overview of who was speaking and what, uh, who he was speaking to and where and the main point and all of this. And then we began these Beatitudes. I told you last week that there's eight or nine Beatitudes, depending on how you want to uh, look at those. But the first four are mainly focused on our character towards God, the characteristics in our life that are focused towards God, and the others begin to focus on how our character is with other people. Now, people have different temperaments, and people have different personalities, but the Beatitudes are all to be reflected in a believer's life. It's not that one person has two or three of the Beatitudes in their life if they're a born-again believer, but it is that those who are in Christ Jesus will have all of the characteristics of the Beatitudes in their lives. It's not, well, I'm good at this and I'm good at that. No, it is, I am nothing without Christ, and Christ, through the Holy Spirit, is bringing forth all of these characteristics in our life. It's not that you're this or that. It's that they are all in our life. Now, this is not something that we can work up, as I told you last week. The only way that we can have these traits, these characteristics in our life and, and in our, is if our heart has been transformed by Christ. If we have uh, and are being filled daily by the Holy Spirit. As John 15, 5 tells us that apart from Him we can do nothing. But He who abides in Christ, He bears fruit. And not just fruit, but much fruit. Church, let me remind you that if you try to live out these characteristics without being filled by the Holy Spirit, you're going to build religion and legalism. And religion and legalism will take you to your death. And ultimately, you will hear, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. As we talked about in Ephesians, the being in Christ comes before the doing in Christ. Salvation comes before the sanctification church. Let me say that again. Salvation comes before the sanctification. I say that uh, very carefully and very specifically here because I believe that one of our biggest struggles in sharing the gospel today is that we focus on cleaning people up um, from their sin instead of focusing on sharing the gospel of transformation, the gospel of Jesus Christ, then they can be cleaned up. Salvation always takes place before sanctification. I've never seen it anywhere where sanctification comes before salvation. And the reason is, is because at salvation you're filled by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what is doing the sanctifying work in your life. So when we read the Sermon on the Mount, it must start 
from salvation. It must be that you are in Christ Jesus. It must be that you have recognized your poverty of spirit. As it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Which is what we focused on last week. I shared with you last week that God is a God of order. And there's a reason why blessed are the poor in spirit comes first. We saw that poverty of spirit is recognizing that we have nothing to bring to God except for the sin that has separated us from God. It's recognizing who we are in view of who God is. Or maybe I should say this. It's recognizing who we are not in view of who God is. I'll remind you briefly, Isaiah 6, when Isaiah saw the Lord, he realized real quickly that he was poor in spirit. Woe is me. When uh, Saul, on the road to Damascus, saw the Lord, he realized real quickly that he was poor in spirit. Ultimately, later saying, oh, what a wretched man. That I am. Last week we looked at the beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And now today we're going to look at blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. So the first of, I guess, two points now, because I I don't believe we're going to go any further than this, is just this. Blessed are those who mourn. Now let me remind you that word blessed means happy, but it's more than, than circumstantial happiness. It's fulfillment as it was spoken. It's a, a, a true sense of joy and peace. So what's interesting though is that when you take the word happy, we see a paradox here. Have I told you before there's paradoxes all throughout the scripture? Have I told you before that I'm okay, that God knows better than I do, and that I can't fully understand it all? And here's the paradox in in verse 4. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. What it says, in in some sense, is happy are the unhappy. Now think about that for a minute. In some sense, it's saying happy are the unhappy. Can you imagine the disciples and the crowd? And Jesus says, blessed are those who are in poverty of spirit. Blessed, happy are those who are unhappy. All of a sudden, I mean, I just can't fathom what's going through these disciples' mind. Jesus is giving this shocking statement to the disciples in the crowd, and he's telling them that the kingdom of God is totally different than the world. Let me say it this way. The kingdom of God is backwards to the world. The kingdom of God is upside down from the world. It is completely different. Let me just go back from last week. The world says, focus on man's ability. The world says, be confident in yourself. The world says, believe in yourself. Jesus says, be poor in spirit, which means that you are fully dependent on God for all things, which means that you are absent of pride in your life, which means that you have no self-reliance, but you are fully reliant on Christ. Here we see poor in spirit. The world says, drown out your sorrows. The world says, do this by gaining all the money in the world and it will take care of all your sorrows. The world says, drown out your sorrows through entertainment and stay busy and you won't have to think about it. 
The world says drown out your sorrows through alcohol or through drugs. But Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for then you will find true comfort. You will find true peace. You will find true joy. Church, do we see that when Jesus is given these statements, these are radical statements because he's telling the world that the kingdom of God is completely opposite to that of the world. He's telling the world that it's not like what you think. It's not about gaining all these worldly possessions. It's not about trying to make a name for yourself. It's not about figuring out how to have self-reliance. No, it's that you humble yourself in poverty of spirit before God Almighty. And then guess what? He blesses you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That's Ephesians. So what are we to mourn here? What are we mourning? Well, this passage is often misquoted in sympathy cards. When someone's grieving the loss of a loved one, you may receive a card that says this verse. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now let me just tell you, the the theology of it is not wrong, but it's, it's not the right passage to use. See, the thought is correct because we see that God gives comfort... For those who are mourning the loss of a loved one. And how do we receive that comfort in somebody who's mourning the loss of a loved one? Is that God provided a way through Jesus so that that loved one could be more alive today than they've ever been. God gives us peace and joy even in the midst of mourning and tears. Because we can recognize that this is just a shell of a person and that shell, that body has been placed into the the dirt six feet under as they say. But praise God, the soul is with Jesus for all eternity. I I tell families all the time, Ecclesiastes says there's a time to mourn, a time to cry. But in the midst of the the tears, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the mourning, we have hope and peace that the world will never know. Until they know Jesus. See, that, that theology is, is correct, but it's not the right verse. Here, Matthew, uh, in Matthew, Jesus is not talking about mourning that comes over the loss of a loved one. Jesus is speaking, blessed are those who mourn over sin. He says, blessed are those who mourn, and he is specifically speaking over sin. Remember Isaiah and Saul? And their response when they realized that they were spiritually poor? They said, woe is me. Saul, later Paul, said, wretched man that I am. What has caused them to be unclean, what has caused them to be wretched in the sight of God is sin. What has caused them to be poverty of spirit or poor in spirit is sin. Sin is what has separated us. Sin is what has taken us away from the garden as we see in Genesis chapter 3. Sin is what has broken that relationship and need of reconciliation through Jesus. Jesus is saying here, when you see that you're poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn. Because when you see that you're poor in spirit, you see and recognize that the reason that you're poor in spirit is because of sin. Because of unrighteousness. 
We mourn over the fact that sin has caused us to lose our innocence and even righteousness before God. You go back to to Genesis 3, what was happening before sin entered the world? Adam and Eve in the garden, they were there to live forever, weren't they? But instead, they fell into sin and sin separated, broken, brought about pain and destruction. Martin Lloyd-Jones says it this way in his commentary on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, As I confront God in His holiness and contemplate the life that I am meant to live, I see myself, my utter helplessness and hopelessness. I discover my quality of spirit and immediately that makes me mourn. I must mourn about the fact that I am like that. But obviously it doesn't stop there. A man who truly faces himself and examines himself and his life is a man who must, of necessity, mourn for his sin. Church, we are called to mourn over the sin in our life. Mourning over our sin doesn't simply happen at salvation. But it happens all throughout our life as we continue to see the sin in our life. Now at salvation, we recognize that we're in poverty of spirit, that we're poor in spirit. We recognize sin has separated us and our hearts are broken over the fact that sin has separated us from God. Praise God, we're comforted in the fact that by the blood of Jesus, we can be set free. But do we recognize that we are called to mourn over our sin even after the place of salvation? Psalm 139, 23 through 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in an everlasting way. Search me, O God. Show me anything in my heart. Anything that's separating uh, or breaking or or causing uh, a, a break in that relationship. Anything that's coming in between you and me. Now let me just be very clear, since, since I said break in that relationship, I do not believe, I see scripturally, that you cannot lose your salvation. But let me tell you, you can quench the Spirit. Do we cry out to God to show us the sin in our life? I love what Brother Oliver said, and he said it Wednesday night, but he tells me all the time, he comes up to me and he'll say, David, I prayed for you this morning after I got the chief of sinners uh, taken care of. And what he means and what he's saying is is that I first fell on my face and cried out to God to forgive me of sin in my life so that I could be on praying ground. James chapter 4, 8 through 10 says this, Draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord and He will exalt you. Church, do you see that your sin is what separated us from God in the first place? Do you see that it required Jesus Christ to die upon the cross so that you could be reconciled to God? Church, when was the last time that you mourned over sin in your life? Now let me just 
make sure that this is crystal clear. I'm not talking about mourning continuously over a specific sin or over your past. I'm not sitting here saying, well, you know, you did something in your past, and so for the next 50 years, you need to mourn every day over your past. No, that's the enemy who's coming to you trying to bring about condemnation in your life. And when the enemy brings about condemnation, we say, hey, listen, I've been forgiven. Mourning over sin is recognizing what sin has done in my relationship with God. Mourning over sin is a confession and repenting of sin. Let me remind you that when we cry out to God, when we fall on our face and we mourn over our sin and we seek God for repentance, He forgives us. He's faithful. He's just. He forgives us of our sins. And the scripture says He forgives them as far as the east is to the west. You know the east and the west never come together? Think about that for a few minutes. The scripture tells us that God forgets and he forgives. Praise God. But we are called to mourn over our sin as the Lord opens our eyes to see that. May we fall on our face before him. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians 7, 8 through 10. For though I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that the letter caused you sorrow, though only for a while. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God, so that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. Now listen to verse 10. You've heard it before, but let me just be very clear here. Let's hear it. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. Church, When we recognize that we are poor in spirit and we see that our sin has separated us from God, we mourn over the sin in our life. And it leads us to a place of repentance. Godly sorrow leads us to repentance. Repentance is a turn from. If you truly have a godly sorrow, you're going to turn 180 back to God. In our life, in sanctification, as God opens our eyes and we see sin in our life, we mourn over that and it leads us to repentance and we turn back to God and praise God. He forgives us and He forgets it and we're able to continue forward for the kingdom of God. But there's a big difference between recognizing that you're spiritually poor because of your sin and it bringing you to a place of mourning of sin that leads you to repentance And those who are simply sorry that they messed up or got caught. Verse 10, right there at the end, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Church, there's a big difference between recognizing what your sin has cost Jesus upon the cross to reconcile you to God and simply being sorry. Well, I got caught. Well, I'm sorry that that happened. Church, this is why when, when at our house, we don't use the word sorry. The only time you need to be sorry at our house is if you accidentally did something. I accidentally spilt something. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to do that. But when somebody has done something against someone else in our house, we don't allow sorry. We say that we must ask them for forgiveness. 
There's a big difference. How sorry really are you? Is it a worldly sorry? A worldly sorrow? Yeah, you're sorry that that happened, but I believe that when we get to a place of mourning over our sin, it leads us to a place of repentance and seeking forgiveness. When I ask somebody to forgive me, I am then humbling myself before that person and saying, I'm placing this in your court 100%, please forgive me. When I cry out to God, I say, God, it's not just that I'm sorry, I am laying this before you, please forgive me. There's a big difference. And in some sense, you should be sorry. But do we seek that forgiveness? But church, not only do we mourn over the sin in our life, at the place of salvation and throughout sanctification in our life, but we are also called to mourn over the effects of sin on the lost. Let me just say that again. We are called to mourn the effects of sin over the lost, on the lost. You may say, yes, David, it's pl- uh, it pains me to see the direction of the world. Yes, I mourn what's happening in our culture. But you guys, this is so much deeper than that. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death, hell, broken relationship with holy God. Church, do we mourn that the enemy through sin is holding the lost captive? Or do we just simply mourn that our culture is going a bad way? Our society is going this way, I can't believe it. This is happening, that is happening. Or do we mourn over what sin is doing in the lives of the lost. Ultimately, it has caused them to be spiritually dead and holding them captive to the enemy. Let me take you to a passage that everybody has memorized. You're thinking John 3.16, no. John 11.35, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Now, if you know the story, this is around, this is Lazarus, right? Lazarus dies. They, they, they go tell Jesus that he's sick, and by the time Jesus gets there, Lazarus is dead. Now, I've shared this with you before, but let me just tell you, God's timing's perfect. If it would have been in their timing, they would have seen a healing, but because it was in God's timing, they saw a resurrection from the dead. Which would you rather see? But it says that Jesus got there and he has this big dialogue, right? And he's speaking there and, and he says, listen, I am the resurrection. I am the life. And it speaks in there that Jesus wept. And there's two main thoughts of why Jesus wept. One was because he loved Lazarus. And Lazarus was dead. Another reason is that those that were there that he was having the dialogue with, just their their faith, they didn't get it. Maybe it's their lack of faith, they didn't get it. But may I just give you a thought today. Could it be that both of those are correct? But could it be that there's a third reason? Why is Lazarus dead? Some of you may say, well, he was sick. Yeah, 
But why was he sick? Why was Lazarus sick? Sickness all comes about because of the fall of man in Genesis 3. Do you know why we die one day? All because of sin. And the effects that sin has on God's creation. At the moment of sin, with Adam and Eve, they died spiritually and their bodies began to die physically. Could it be that Jesus, one of the reasons that he's weeping in John 11, is that he's mourning over the effects of sin on God's creation? And to further back that up, Jesus rides in and he weeps over Jerusalem. And why did he weep? Because they missed him. Why did they miss him? Because they were blinded. How were they blinded? Because of sin. Church, Jesus mourns, weeps, over the effects of sin on God's creation. We are called to mourn over our sin and we're called to mourn over the effects of sin on God's creation. But can I tell you, there's hindrances. There's hindrances. Why don't we see mourning more often Well, one of the reasons that we don't see mourning more often is because uh, we have seen this this idea that that emotions and and when people see emotions within the church house, sometimes they they begin to think more charismatic and is it real or is it not? Can I just tell you, God knows your heart. God knows your heart. God knows whether you're truly crying out before Him. Or whether you're just doing that to put on a show. But there's another hindrance. Sometimes we're embarrassed. We're embarrassed that what may come when you admit that you don't have it all together. Church, can we admit together today that that none of us have it all together? Can we admit today that we're all a work in progress? Why don't we just say this? On the count of three, we're going to say, I'm a work in progress, okay? Now, if you want to say that your, your work is finished, well, you're probably about to go home, right? Because if your work's finished, there's no, no reason for you to be here. But on the count of three, let's just tell the Lord, we are a work in progress, and we're explaining, we're sharing that with the whole body of Christ. One, two, three. I am a work in progress. Church, one of the hindrances to mourning over sin is our embarrassment. That's pride, church. That's pride because we're saying, hey, I don't want to let people know that I'm poor in spirit. I don't want people to know that I'm still a work in progress. Church, I'm your pastor, and I'm a work in progress. Every day, by the power of the Holy Spirit, He's doing his sanctifying work in and through my life. But I think there's another hindrance to mourning over sin. 
And that's possibly our inadequate view of sin and its consequences. Do we have a biblical view of sin and its consequences? Or do we have more of a world's view of valuing different sins? Well, this sin is really bad. And so you need to mourn. But church, the scripture tells us that just one sin, all Adam and Eve did was eat of a fruit. But they denied God's word. Church, do we have a biblical view of sin? That it puts us on our face before holy God. And we cry out as Paul did, oh, what a wretched man that I am. You may say, David, I don't want to end this message right here. We don't have to. Because with every beatitude, every blessing, there's a reward. He says, happy are the unhappy. Blessed are those who mourn. For they shall be comforted. For they shall be comforted. Church, if we're truly mourning over our sin that separates us from God, we can be comforted in three words. It is finished. Church, when we see that we're poor in spirit and we mourn over the sin that has separated us from God, but then we hear it is finished. Then we hear you can't bring anything to to Christ that will satisfy His holiness, His righteousness, His justiceness. But praise God, the blood of the Lamb has been applied to you. And so now you can be comforted through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Jesus paid our wages uh, for sin on the cross. He took what we deserve and He gave us what we did not deserve. And that's His rightful standing before God. We're comforted in the fact that we have been made alive. We're comforted in the fact that we have eternal life. We're comforted in the fact that God places His Holy Spirit to dwell within us. We're comforted that He's given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We're comforted that He has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. And we're comforted that we have an inheritance in Christ that will never perish or ever fade away, church. It is finished. It is finished. All of this is through Jesus. You know, it's very interesting. There's a passage in Isaiah that speaks of this. You may recognize this passage in Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To grant 
those who mourn in Zion and give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting, so that they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. You know who God was speaking about? Jesus. Jesus reads Luke 4, 18. And he says, today it's been fulfilled. Why? Because he is the one who came to bring comfort to those who mourn over their sin that has separated them from God. Church, our name, Luke 4.18, is ultimately saying, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. But church, it doesn't stop there. No. We have comfort on this earth as we walk these days. Because our sins have been forgiven. Because Jesus came and fulfilled Isaiah 61. He came and proclaimed the favorable year of the Lord. He came to set uh, the sight to the blind, to give sight to the blind. He set to proclaim uh, those that were captives, uh, give them liberty and freedom to heal the brokenhearted. But can I tell you that this comfort goes further than just here on earth? Because there's a day coming that we're going to breathe our last church. And when we stand before the throne of God, it's not going to be because of our righteousness, but it's going to be because of the blood of Jesus Christ that he says, come in my good and faithful servant. We will spend eternity with him if you are born again, if you are in Christ Jesus, if you have realized your poverty of spirit and that you have turned to the only hope, which is Jesus Christ, the only salvation, which is Christ. And let me tell you what's going to happen. It tells us in Revelation 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And there is no longer any sea. And I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. And he will dwell among them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will, what? Wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any what? Mourning. Or crying. Or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne, behold, I am making all things new. And he said, write for these words are faithful and true. Then he said, it is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of water of life without cost. He says, he who overcomes will inherit these things. He who has recognized the poverty of spirit and has turned to Jesus. He who has mourned over his sin. He shall be comforted on this earth and he shall be eternally comforted in heaven with Jesus. He who overcomes will inherit these things and I will be his God and he will be my son. But then there's one more verse. And I can't read all of that without reading 
verse 8. Because there's those who don't mourn over their sins. There's those who don't recognize the poverty of spirit. There's those who are lost and the effect of sin and the wages of sin is still upon them. Church, if this doesn't make you mourn for the lost and the effects of sin on the lost, I, I, there's nothing I can give you. It says, but for the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, murder, immoral person, sorcerer, idolater, and all liars, says their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Church, do we have a rightful view of sin? A biblical view of sin? Have we stopped itemizing it and saying, well, these are real sins, so I need to mourn over those? No, every sin has separated us from God. Have we allowed the mourning to turn to comfort and joy in knowing that in repentance there's forgiveness? Or do we continue to walk this world focused on all the other things? Do we fall on our face and cry out to God for the lost? That will inherit eternal fire and brimstone are we truly those who mourn I want to close by reading to you a very famous passage and as I read this if, if y'all would come on up I, I don't know what song that, that you have but I, I'm, I know that you have a song. Church, I'm going to read this and then we're going to have a time of response. You can cry out to God right where you are. You can come fall on your face before at the altar. But let me read to you what David says about his sin in Psalm 51. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, your desire you desire truth in the innermost being. And in the hidden parts, you will make me known wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness 
Let my bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquity. Church, is this us? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Comfort me, O God. In the morning of my sin, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Sustain in me a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your way and sinners will be converted to you. I'll go tell, I'll proclaim to the lost that there's comfort in the morning. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in a sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice of God or a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. By your favor, do good to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifice. And burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. And young bulls will be offered on your altar. Let us sing and let us respond before God. To what he is proclaiming and speaking to us today. So Father, we love you. We praise you. Father, I am like Paul. What a wretched man that I am. And Father, my heart breaks over that. But praise God, there's comfort. Father, we can stand in your presence because of your son, Jesus. There's comfort knowing that I can walk on this earth because of your son, Jesus. There's comfort knowing that the power of sin has been broken over my life because of the blood of Jesus. Now, Father, I pray that we as Luke 4.18 would take serious Isaiah 61 and Luke 4.18 that we would mourn over sin and that we would recognize that we are being comforted in you. So, Father, may we respond according to what you are speaking to us today. For it's in your precious and holy name. Amen.